Is Christianity guilty of anti-Semitism? What exactly is anti-Semitism? And why does anti-Semitism seem to be increasing rapidly across our nation and around the world? Stay tuned for some insights from a Messianic Jewish expert. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. I have as my co-host today Colonel Tim Moore, who is our Associate Evangelist and the one that is going to replace me in September of 2021. And we have as our special guest Olivier Melnick, who is a French Jew who is, uh, lives in the northwestern uh, United States in the state of Washington, don't you? Yes. 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 And there he serves as the Northwest Regional Director of one of the most important Messianic uh, ministries in America today, Chosen People Ministries. Welcome yes. to Texas, brother. Well, thank you. We're happy to be here. Thank okay. You. Tell us quickly, what in the world is a Messianic Jew? Well, a Messianic Jew, there's two words. You're Messianic and Jew. So, to be a Messianic Jew, you have to be Jewish first. Okay. Uh, you know, which is, you know, a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob through one of the 12 tribes, a physical Jew. Uh, and Messianic is simply a Jew who believes that, uh, who believes in the Messiah, and that Messiah happens to be Yeshua, Jesus. Messiah, you know, Christ, Mashiach, same word, different okay. languages. So, I'm a Jew who believes in Jesus. So, Olivier, how did you come to know Yeshua? How did you come to believe in Him as the Messiah? Well, I uh, grew up as a, uh, as a Jewish kid in France uh, from uh, Holocaust surviving uh, parents, oh both Jewish, and uh, God was not really in the picture, so I didn't care. I, I always used to, I used to tell people, if God exists, uh, He doesn't need me, and I don't need Him. So, let's just keep moving wow. our, our, our separate path. And then I met uh, the woman that would be my wife, a, a Californian Gentile meets a French Jew. So, <laughs> sparks happened. Oh, of course. And she started telling me about, uh, about Yeshua from the Old Testament, from, from the prophecies. And I look at this big Bible, you know, which I've never opened before. I couldn't tell the difference between Hanukkah or Isaiah. I mean, I had no understanding of my Jewish roots or the Bible. Really? And uh, the book didn't really impress me. Then she asked uh, for her dad to send more stuff because she was uh, in France at the time with me. And uh, her dad sent this little book called The Late Great Planet Earth. Oh, Remember that book? Yes, oh. I do. And so many people I've met have come to the Lord through yes, that book. That's right. And I started reading the book on my way to work every day in Paris on the subway, missed my stop two or three times. I got to the rapture and I panicked. I'm going, wait a minute. There they go, and here we stay. Yes. If this is true, so I went home and I, I, I told said to Ellen, "Is this true that there's going to be?" She, That's exactly why I want you to come to your Messiah because I don't want to be separated from you. Mm. And I had asked her to marry me, and she said, "I cannot marry you unless we believe the same." There's some pressure. So yeah, and so Sounds that's like what, you've got quite a wife. Uh, yeah, Thirty-six years now. Well, praise the Lord for that. <laughs> so that's that's how I got. Uh, I read the book and I got scared, and then she led me to the Lord uh, at that point when because I didn't want to uh, to be separated from her, and, and I wanted to be you know a part praise of the, the uh, of the rapture. So I hope I get to experience the rapture. If I don't, if I pass before, but I would like to. Yes. And so you're understanding that Yeshua was Jewish, but oh, obviously yeah. the Messiah that had already come Absolutely. and is coming again. And the more you look at the Old Testament. 
Testament prophecies, it, it, there's no other person that could fulfill a fraction of those. So well, I yeah, appreciate it you. has to be him. Yes, sir. We obviously agree. Well, you are considered to be an expert on anti-Semitism, which is coming around again in new forms. And your latest book is on that subject. It is titled, as we can see, End Times Anti-Semitism. And there's a, a new subtitle, a chapter in the longest hatred, a new chapter in the longest hatred. So how do you, Olivia, define anti-Semitism? Oh, Anti-Semitism, there's many ways to define it, but the way I look at it is the, uh, is the hatred, it, it's the uh, irrational hatred of the Jewish people characterized by thoughts, uh, uh, words, and or deeds, mm. or any of the three combined. And, and, and I think the word that I, I, I keep emphasizing more and more in the last maybe 10 years is irrational. Well, mm. I think that's a, a beautiful definition, and, and I would seize on that because uh, there are people in the world who hate Jews who've never even met a Jew. Absolutely. A few years ago in Japan, of the top ten best-selling books in Japan, Japan, five of them were blaming every problem in Japan on Jews. And you can count the number of Jews in Japan on one hand. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's irrational. Very hatred. irrational. It's irrational. Okay, well, I'd like to follow up on that by saying that the subtitle of your book, uh, End Time Semitism, the subtitle is a new chapter in the longest hatred. And in the book, you differentiate between what you call classical anti-Semitism and what you refer to as end-time anti-Semitism. Right. What's the difference between the two? Well, classical anti-Semitism, you, you, you could say that is, is the, the anti-Semitism that we, we can study from, from basically the biblical uh, record all the way to the, the Holocaust. Okay, okay? Mm. Uh, uh, That's a historical anti-Semitism that, that uh, the apex of it was uh, the Holocaust with the racial anti-Semitism. Jews are a subhuman race of vermin mm. that we need to destroy. Then for about 20 years, there was some kind of respite. There was a, a time where people thought it was gone. The anti-Semitism stopped existing, except it was just swept under the carpet. Mm. Uh, and in the 60s, about 20 years or so after the, 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 the end of the war, uh, we start seeing this, uh, this shift in, in the world where uh, in the Middle East, uh, the uh, uh, the victims became the perpetrators and the perpetrators became the victim and we saw the the birth of this new anti-Semitism with everything, it was no longer racial because it was not really cool to say, well, the Jews are a subhuman race. We, we don't say that anymore. So now we say we're anti-Zionists or we're anti-Israel, anti but not anti-Jews. So that was, that was the beginning of it and people have seen it. That was the topic of my first book that came out in 07. New anti-Semitism, but end times anti-Semitism, I see as a morphing of the historical anti-Semitism and the new anti-Semitism, where now for the last five years, seven years, we have seen Jews being killed now. Mm. Be, they, they, they fear for their lives. In France alone, 10% of the Jewish population has immigrated to Israel in the last 10 years. Mainly out of fear. Uh, out of fear. Uh, because of anti-Semitism, absolutely. Well, uh, what are some manifestations of this end-time Semitism besides an increase in violence? For example, the boycott movement. Well, the, the BDS movement, the boycott, divestment, sanction movement, uh, uh, I, I compare it to, to, to what happened in, in, uh, in uh, November of 1938, uh, the night of 9th to 10th of uh, November Crystal 1938, Nacht. Kristallnacht, the, the night of broken glass. There's a lot of parallels uh, on that. It's a, basically a movement that is uh, promoting the boycott of anything Jewish, anything from Israel. Uh, and again, people don't check the facts. They just want to, they, they, they think the, 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 the uneducated 
masses will think that by boycotting Israel uh, economically and socially and, and from uh, they, they think that they're going to change things but the boycott divestment sanction movement simply and they they said themselves they want to eradicate Israel and destroy the Jews. Now you said they don't check the facts and I think that's very important because the whole BDS movement is based upon one fundamental, now there are several things that they argue, but one fundamental one, Israel is an apartheid state. That is correct. And th there is no evidence of apartheid in no. Israel. No, there's no, uh, there, Israel is accused of being an apartheid state and also of doing ethnic cleansing. <laughs> there are more Arabs today in Israel than they were in 1948 when the state was declared a, a new nation. And thriving. And there were less Jews today than before the Holocaust. And it's the other way around. All of the uh, Muslim countries of the Middle East have expelled their Jews. Right. So the, the place where the apartheid is being practiced is in the Muslim countries, not in Israel. Tell and me, tell me what country in the Middle East you can find Christians, Muslims, and Jews living together? Israel. Israel. That's the only one. That's exactly Israel. right. And and a, a Palestinian living in Israel has the same rights as an Israeli. That is uh, they they get they can get welfare. They can get job. Uh, placement. They, they can get medical care. There's no separation in the hospitals, on the public transportation, right. or whatever. That's Economically, right. they thrive more in Israel than any of the surrounding nations. That's right. So, I, we go back to your word irrational. Yes. It's an irrational thing. Yes, Olivia, absolutely. I appreciated your treatment of the Dreyfus Affair being from France originally. Uh, obviously, that was a, an episode that motivated people like Theodore Herzl to recognize the irrationality of anti-Semitism back over 100 years ago and led them to aspire to find a, a homeland for the Jewish people. How do you see God working through even some of the events and some of the things that we watch happening today as He brings to fruition all the prophecies of Scripture relative even to the Jewish people? What, what we need to understand is that, uh, you know, going back to the word irrational, it is irrational because anti-Semitism comes from Satan. Yes, it does. And, and uh, because Satan knows what's coming, he knows his career is coming to an end, and he knows he's not going to win, and he knows the Jewish people are key in the return of Yeshua. Yes. Because he won't return until Yesh uh, Israel says, Baruch haba Hashem Adonai, blessed is you, comes in the name of the Lord. Yes. This, and so, Satan knows he's going to do everything he can to stop that. And uh, so, right now, uh, there are, uh, you know, the, the whole world, eventually the Bible tells us the whole world is going to turn against Israel. But, you know, in, you know, in Zechariah 12. Well, I always uh, teach that uh, anti-Semitism is not only irrational, but it is supernatural because it comes from Satan. Right. Uh, Satan hates the Jewish people with a passion because they gave the world the Word of God, because they are the chosen people of God, because it was through them that the Messiah came, and because God has promised that a great remnant is going to come to repentance, and, he, and Satan is determined to destroy the Jewish people so that prophecy cannot be fulfilled. Absolutely. That's, that's, that's the bottom line right there. That's what he's doing right now through, through uh, uh, all kinds of people groups like he did during Nazi era, but he's also even using the church today. Yes, mm -hmm. well, Not the whole church, but people within the church yeah. that have different views, faulty views of, of, of what the Bible says. And, Who have and been deceived, quite frankly. Who have been deceived and, and are promoting agendas or supporting Agendas like well, the BDS. We have churches in America who are endorsing the BDS movement yeah. and also withdrawing all of their investments from anything that has to do with Israel. Right. It's incredible right. what's going on. Absolutely. But 
It's a fulfillment of prophecy. It says in the end times all the nations of the world yes, are going to come together against Israel. And uh, it's going to include the United States of America too. Right now we're a big supporter, yes. but uh, Trump's not going to stay in office forever. And uh, sooner or later we're going to see the other side come in and they have already made it very clear they're turning against Israel. Right. And a lot of people when I said that to them, they go like, well, I'm not going to. Well, and I tell them, listen, a nation coming against Israel doesn't mean that every single citizen no, absolutely. need absolutely. to come against Israel. Right. It's the policies you know, of that nation. Right. And we've exactly. seen that already in the past where the United States was very fickle even as an ally toward Israel. And we will turn once again, as Dave says. Yeah. Well, folks, we're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we're going to take a look at the ugly history of Christian anti-Semitism and the basis of it. Lamb and Lion Ministries is coming to Louisville. We will be conducting a regional prophecy conference at the Hikes Point Christian Church on Friday evening and all day Saturday, April 24th and 25th. The conference theme is Living for Christ in the End Times. The conference will begin Friday evening with a musical concert by a group called Guarded Heart. They will be followed by a keynote sermon delivered by Pastor Joe Wright, the renowned author of the famous prayer that shook the Kansas legislature and then captivated the entire nation when it was read over the radio by Paul Harvey. On Saturday, the featured speaker will be James Walker, the president of one of Christendom's most respected discernment ministries. He will speak about the growing apostasy in the church. Our internet evangelist, Nathan Jones, and our associate evangelist, Colonel Tim Moore, will join Dr. Reagan as the remaining speakers on Saturday. The conference is free of charge, but registration is requested. You can find out more details and you can register at the church's website at hikespointchristian.com. Hope to see you there. Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy and our interview with Olivier Melnick about anti-Semitism. Olivier, I've found that most Christians have no idea that for Jewish people, the roots of anti-Semitism sometimes come from Christian theology, specifically what is now called replacement theology. Can you explain that to us? Well, replacement theology is, is plaguing, uh, it's plaguing the, the, the church in, in a very, very bad way. Basically, it's a faulty uh, theological approach that, that claims that uh, all the promises that were made to Israel and the Jewish people in the Tanakh, starting with Genesis 12, 3 and, and forward, have now been transferred to the Christians, to the church, meaning that everything that God promised uh, that was unconditional, eternal promises to the Jews are now transferred to the Christians. So to me, when I look at this, it, it makes God a covenant breaker mm. and a liar. And if, if God can break His covenant and, and, and lie to Israel on this, then I usually tell people he can probably also break his covenant with you and maybe you're not saved by grace. No. Maybe you have to do works now. So your salvation is not secure. We have to trust that if God gives Israel a covenant or several covenants uh, in the Old Testament, he's not going to come back on his word. So uh, what's interesting is that in replacement theology also people usually say the blessings have been transferred to the Christians. But the curses, the curses, curses can the stay curses, with Israel, yeah. but the blessing are all, are all not coming to the Christians. There's a verse in 1 Corinthians 10, 31 and 32 uh, that says that uh, it, it describes three groups of people, uh, uh, the Jews, the Gentiles, and the church of God. And if it describes three groups of people, if the church has replaced, the, 
there's got to be a distinction here. I appreciate here. you saying that in 1 Corinthians, and obviously Paul had much to say about the Jews in Romans as well. So right. these are not just promises made in the Old Testament, no. they're reaffirmed right. in the New Testament. Right. Now right. this is characteristic of both Catholics and Protestants. It's all across, it's, I would say it's across Christendom. It's, yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's the majority and of Christendom believes yes. in replacement theology. Yes, I think it's, if you put all Christian, uh, if you put it under Christendom, it's up to almost two-thirds. Now mm. it started very early. In second, Christian history. Second century. So kind of give us an overview of that and tell us why people began to turn against the Jews. Well, uh, early on and the, the early church fathers started to, uh, they, had, they had a desire to, to get back into the Word and, and study in the original language. So they wanted to learn Hebrew. Uh, so they got together with rabbis who knew Hebrew. And then uh, uh, in that process, some of the church fathers developed a, an allegorical approach to Scripture mm. where it could say this to, to you, something else to me, or tomorrow, something else. Mm. So this allegorical approach started to replace, you know, to, to invite the, 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 the students of, of the Word, those church fathers, to, to replace Israel with themselves and the church. Uh, and then one thing led to another. Uh, it was originally, it was just theological anti-Judaism. Hmm. No, no danger. It's like, you know, you're the Jews, we're the Christians. Let's just keep it separate because we don't think the same way. It was, there was not really a... a kind a, of a benign... Right, like, a, like a, separate, a theological difference. Yes. But then, it, but then it continued and, you know, human nature, you know, we are, like it or not, all of us are sinners, you know, yeah. Forgiven, saved by grace, and for, redeemed, but we're still in, in in the fallen body. So we have the ability to sin and to hate, and so people started to see the Jews being described as rejected by God. So people with no education back then went like, "Well, if they're rejected by God, then we should not, in, you know, interact with them." So then the, this a little bit of a, of animosity started to develop, and then laws. In the third and fourth century, like the uh, the Justinian Code or the uh, another one that escapes my name, my, my my memory right now, where it started to be written to separate the Christians from the Jews even further, and then it snowballed into all the things that happened against the Jews in the name of Christ or and in the I name think of Christianity. An important thing to point out is that as they began to move against the Jews, who were the founders of the church, right. Uh, they had to justify it. And so the fundamental justification was the Jews are Christ killers. Oh, Christ They're the killers. ones That's who right. committed the worst sin of all, the sin of deicide, killing God. Absolutely. And we cannot have anything to do with them. And when they began to introduce that, I mean, the, the, the words they used against the Jews the were hatred really took off. horrible. Just you know, you know I'm, right now I'm, 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 uh, I'm, I'm taking a, a class for this a degree I'm working on, and, and, and I have to read a lot of the, of the Church Fathers. Oh. And, uh, but it's a class on, on the Trinity. But when I read the Church Fathers, and even though what I read is really good, I, in the back of my mind as a Jew myself, I cannot help but remember that almost every single one that I've read said some really nasty things about the Jews. And the, the golden orator. Uh, Chrysostom. Yes. Yes. He preached the most horrible sermons against the Jewish people you ever read in your yeah. life. Called them every name in the book. That's right. And then people have no books to read, no, no education. They look at, well, if my leader, if the bishop or the, 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 the priest or whatever at the time they were, the church fathers, if they believe that, they know the Bible, they must know. They are the authority. So I have to hate the Jews. Did the Reformation have any impact upon this anti-Semitism? Well, there's a lot of good that, uh, that came out of the Reformation. We know that. But 
Martin Luther also wrote a, a little pamphlet called "Of the Jews and Their Lies," oh, right near and, the end of his life. And it's it's uh, you, you know it's horrible. It's a terrible it book. Horrible. It's two years before his death, I think. And people ask me all the time: Was he anti-Semitic? Was he old? Was did he have Alzheimer? Did he was he sick? Was he? I said, it doesn't matter because it's still in his works. You go to a library, it still exists in the full works of, and it of Luther. it had a great impact, not only in that day and age, but play it forward all the way into Germany in the 20th century yes. when they were citing Martin Luther Hitler. as justification Absolutely. for some of the well, actions of the Nazis. Finishing what Luther started. Exactly. Well, one of the things interesting about that is early in his uh, career, when he first re, uh, rebelled against the Catholic Church, he wrote a wonderful pamphlet in, in favor of the Jews, talking about how smart Absolutely. they are. And basically what he was saying was, I, I don't blame them. For, turn, uh, for rejecting the gospel because the gospel has been so terribly perverted by the church. But he believed that once he gave them the pure gospel, salvation by grace through faith, they would turn. And when they didn't, man, did he turn against them. He gave a blueprint for the Holocaust. Yes, he did. He said, you know, confiscate their Torah scrolls, confiscate burn their it. money, put them into forced labor. I mean, Ghettos. burn the... Uh, forbid the, them to go on the roads. Yes. Uh, you know, for, forbid, uh, and forbid the rabbis from teaching. And quoted in Mein Kampf and said right. he was one of the persons he most ad, uh, admired. And at the, at the uh, trials at the end of World War II, the Nuremberg trials, they stood up, the Nazi criminals, and said all we did was what Martin Luther said. I and, think that's and, a, and then you, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Then you wonder why Jewish people today say the Holocaust was a Christian act. Yes. Mm. It's because if you if you connect the two, even though really true believers, true followers of Yeshua would never think that, would never do that um, if you read your Bible and, and you really believe it. But but if you connect the two, you go like, well, I mean, if if Hitler is taking his his lead uh, from uh, Luther, who's the ref, the big reformer, the the father the father of modern Christianity, yes, so right. to speak, uh, uh, yes. then uh, then uh, Christians are responsible. And then and then people ask me all the time, why is it so? Why are Jewish people so gospel resistant? Well, read my book. <laughs> <laughs> I think Luther himself provides a cautionary tale because he had a lot of good things to say. Yes. He obviously reformed the church and. Protestants follow in his footsteps in terms of trying to go back to faith alone, Scripture alone, and all the other solas. But Luther was deceived when it came to the Jews toward the end of his life. And yes. today we have people who have good doctrine in so many areas, and yet they allow themselves to be deceived. And I use that phrase intentionally because we have to be very cautious not to follow after false teachings, right. especially as they would be satanically inspired to come against the Jewish when people. When people tell me that uh, uh, when an anti-Semite, and I've had it this happen, tell me that, well, the Jews killed Jesus. I always refer them to Acts 4 verse 27, which tells us who told Je killed Jesus. Mm. Truly in this city, Jerusalem, there were gathered together against thy holy servant Jesus, whom thou didst anoint Herod, Pontius Pilate, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel, and a fifth, you and me. Because Jesus died for us all. Exactly My right. sins Absolutely. were responsible for his death. Absolutely. Not just the Jewish people. No. No, but it, it, it continues to this day that, you know, that's the biggest uh, accusation we have. And of course, that's one, one of many. We are also accused of, of uh, poisoning the wells of Europe, oh, the, the yeah. Black Plague, we, you know, the Crusades. Uh, the Crusades, uh, you know, the, the Christian Crusades they, uh, was very detrimental, very, very uh, uh, lethal yeah, to the Jews. When we go to Israel, I take people to one of the great. Crusader forts there at Akko. And I tell them the Crusaders came to free the Holy Land, but as well as coming against Muslims who had, had occupied the Holy Land, they were absolutely determined to kill and destroy Jewish communities throughout Israel even then uh, that were remaining after the diaspora. Right. You right. know, one time I went to the theological uh, 
seminary uh, that is at TCU, Texas Christian University in Fort Worth. I went over there and I took a look at uh, the many, many volumes like that of books that they had where preachers preached all the way through the Bible from Genesis 1 to the last verse. And you know what I discovered? That about 80% of them did not preach on Romans 9 through 11. When they no. got there, they'd say, Now, Romans 9 through 11 is an irrelevant parenthesis and skip. Because Romans 9 through 11 says God loves the Jewish people. He still loves the Jewish people. He has a purpose for the Jewish people. In chapter 11, Paul begins, Has God rejected his people? He has not, has he? And the church says, Yes. Yes. And he says, No. I mean, it's just as clear as it can be. For 2,000 years, the church has said, No. I said, yes, he has rejected. Unless you look at that verse, he has not rejected his people because we are his people now. Yeah, right. <laughs> Don't get me started. And he's a covenant-keeping God. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. That yeah. hasn't changed. There's a great, a great future for Israel. Tell us about your ministry that you serve. Uh, Chosen People Ministries, believe it or not, uh, this year we're celebrating a 125-year anniversary. Is that right? Yes, and I'm not the founder. <laughs> but it's well, good to know. Yes. But we, uh, we yes, one, 125 years, uh, we are in, uh, I believe, now 19 countries. Wherever there is a Jewish community, we will uh, have a presence, either a congregation or a center or, or, or a branch or some sort of a presence to reach out with the gospel of Yeshua to that Jewish community. We, uh, we do one on one visitation, we do uh, festivals, we do conferences, we do, uh, we even, we still still do a street evangelism, although this is kind of dwindling down. Ask you, a lot do of it you, is on the net. you share the gospel with these people? And uh, are you seeing a response that is upticking in uh, recent years? We're seeing a response. Uh, we have seen a tremendous response in the last almost 10 years now uh, with our web campaign. Uh, there is, we have this web campaign, ifoundshalom.com, when we have uh, oh. uh, uh, testimonies of Jewish believers, myself and probably at least another hundred, five to eight minute testimonies, and it, they're all Jewish believers from all over the world. What is the website? Ifoundshalom.com. Shalom, peace. Yeah, Ifoundshalom.com. And, and where would they go to find the uh, your the, the ministry that you uh, serve? Chosenpeopleministries.com. Yes, and they have a wonderful publication they put out. I yes, think. it's yes. really really great. Olivier, when I hear you talk and reading your book and just seeing the passion that you bring toward proclaiming the gospel to Jewish people and Gentiles alike, and advising us uh, not to buy into the deception, I'm reminded of what Zechariah promised in the end times. Of course, we know that the Jewish people would continue to be blessed, not because they deserved it any more than I deserve it, but they would receive a blessing from God and they would reclaim their land and be back in the city of Jerusalem. And then Zechariah says this in chapter 8, verse 23, he says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, In those days ten men from all the nations will grasp the garment of a Jew, <laughs> saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I I, I'm going to hold on tight and yeah. follow after. Yeah. And so, Yeshua is just going to turn the world upside down. That's right. And that, mean, that means that at some point we're, we're, the, the remnant of, of the Jewish people at that time are all going to become believers. Amen. They're all going to well, call God there. That's God. our program for today. Stay tuned and we will tell you how you can get a book that answers all these questions we dealt with today and many others. I hope our program has been a blessing to you, and I hope that the Lord willing, you'll be back with us next week. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. If you enjoyed today's program, you will want to get a copy of Dr. Reagan's book, The Jewish People, Rejected or Beloved? In this 230-page book, Dr. Reagan deals with a variety of challenging questions. Have the Jews ceased to be God's chosen people? Are they guilty of the unforgivable sin of killing God? 
Has God replaced them with the church? Have they lost all hope as a nation? Are they devoid of any role in the end times? If God still loves them, how can he allow them to experience the Holocaust? Dr. Reagan deals with these and many other questions regarding the Jewish people. And in the process, he reveals the evil of replacement theology and the tragedy of dual covenant theology. And he does so in simple, understandable language. We can provide you with a copy of this book for a donation of $20 or more. That includes the cost of shipping. To order, call the number you see on the screen Monday through Friday between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Central Time or place your order through our website at lamblion.com. Christ in Prophecy is made possible through the faithful and generous support of viewers like you. Please consider making a donation to Lamb and Lion Ministries so that we can continue broadcasting the message of Jesus' soon return. Thank you and God bless you. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus.